here we are this week and really wanted to do some kind of different for the intro plus i had a bit of writer's block so we're gonna do it like this this week uh bear with us the episode for this week is about the mokele Membe. how do you feel about that i love this cryptid case i love cryptids in general yes. so i'm fine with it too so thanks for joining us on this uh this episode again stick around as usual for our musician spotlight this week we have laurentian tides and this is supernatural tendencies podcast i'm alex I'm Christy. And this is episode 32, the Mokele Mbembe. The word Mokele Mbembe means one who stops the flow of rivers. That starts our story with some pretty high expectations. It is said to be a large reptile with a long neck. Jurassic Park fans should be getting excited, as this description does and has resembled that of a prehistoric sauropod. And where else could an impressively large, possible dinosaur-like holdout reside other than the great continent of Africa? Housing many of the world's largest, fastest, and deadliest animals, the Mokele Mbembe should be right at home with its outstanding wildlife counterparts that are featured here. Our story has to start right here, in the vast and unforgettable land that is Africa. The interior of the continent has been the center of a lot of mysteries and folklore for, well, most likely its entire existence. The Congo rainforest, the mainstay of our story, encompasses nine countries, and is absolutely brimming with folklore from the natives, passed down through the generations. Stories of the Mokele Mbembe have been told in the West African region of the Congo rainforest of a creature that is of gigantic size. Whether or not seen firsthand by the people giving the accounts or secondhand stories, the range of descriptions varied slightly from story to story. Most say that it has reddish-brown colored skin, but can range into gray. Descriptions of lengths span from 16 to 32 feet, with a staggering 76-foot version coming out of Cameroon. Its neck is said to be anywhere from 5 to 10 feet, and to have a tail that is from 5 to 10 feet also. Some reports even add a frill, like that of a chicken, to the back of its head. One story tells of a certain one that had a single horn that it presumably used to kill elephants and hippos. Wood carvings have been done by local natives, depicting an almost match representation of a long-necked dinosaur. They say that while the beast's diet consists mainly of plants, it will become fiercely territorial to any human that wanders by any of its caves that it is said to inhabit. The first sighting, as we'll call it, by Europeans was made by a French missionary named Lievine Bonaventure Proyart in 1776. He reported that he had seen footprints about a meter, just over three feet in diameter, with claws at the end in the Congo River area. With the footprints being so startling to the missionary, it was lucky enough that he did not actually catch a glimpse of the creature that had left them, and we are only left with a report of interesting prints that were left behind. It wouldn't be until 1904, almost 130 years later, 
that we would get more information about this mysterious monstrosity. Explorer Lieutenant Paul Gretz would pen some notes about another creature similar to our Mokelian Bembe, known as the Nasaga. Hailing from legends as living in Lake Bangwelu in modern-day Zambia, and having characteristics of what we would recognize as dinosaur-like. On Pratt's footsteps would be the stories told to Carl Hagenbeck, a notable German game hunter of a giant beast, quote, half-dragon, half-elephant, that resided in the great swamps of today's Zimbabwe. Hagenbeck would be so convinced of the existence of such a creature that he would send a group of men out searching for it, to no avail. Hagenbeck would write, I am almost convinced that some such reptile must still be in existence. At great expense, therefore, I sent out an expedition to find the monster, but unfortunately they were compelled to return home without having proved anything, either one way or the other. With the lack of a physical creature being found, one might assume that the stories of such a creature may be chalked up just as that, stories. But one would be incorrect, since expedition after expedition would continue to make the journey into the West African rainforest to search for their own proof. Each expedition to not only the Congo, but also to Cameroon and Gabon, would yield more and more accounts from natives about the Mokilian Bembe. In 1976, herpetologist James Powell would travel to Gabon to study rainforest crocodiles, when he would run into stories from the Fang people about a river monster known as Niamala. Niamala was seen exiting a small body of water by a local witch doctor by the name of Michael Obang. Obang would also, without question, pick out a picture for Powell from a reference book of dinosaurs that looked exactly like what he had seen, a Diplodocus. For those of you who need a refresher on your prehistoric animal life, the Diplodocus is a form of long-necked dinosaur that lived during the upper late Jurassic period from about 161 million years ago until about 145 million years ago. They resemble the Brontosaurus or the Brachiosaurus from the Jurassic Park films, for further reference. Powell would call upon Dr. Roy J. McCall, a biologist from the University of Chicago and vice president of the International Society for Cryptozoology. Both McCall and Powell would make the trip to the Congo in 1979 to investigate a series of swamps that still up to that time had remained a literal blank spot on the map. There they had met with Reverend Eugene Thomas, who had worked in the area since 1955 and had heard many stories of the Mokelium Bembe. McCall would voice his disbelief that such a creature could exist, even if in a part of the world as sparsely explored as this. Yet they would happen upon more people that would describe first-hand experiences with animals that the reporters would say looked like the specimens from the dinosaur reference book. Many of the reports would start to place the creature as living more in the lakes, streams, rivers, and swamps of the area, as opposed to just the caves. But before much exploration could be done, the expedition's time had run out, and they had to leave. McCall would make a return trip in 1981, this time with a larger team. Their goal? A remote lake called Lake Tele, a relatively shallow lake that was surrounded by swamps, where the Begombe tribe had supposedly found a Mokilian Bembe, and yet did not kill it some years before. The team made their way down to the Laquala Alherbes River, to another river that would lead to the lake called the Bai. The Bai River would prove to be the end of this adventure due to the waterway being clogged by fallen trees, 
but the trip wasn't without its excitement. While in their native dugout canoes, the expedition was coming around a bend in the river, near the town of Apina, when something submerged itself near the riverbank, causing an 18-inch wave to heavily rock their canoes. After speaking amongst themselves, the members of the exploration group concluded that crocodiles do not make such wakes as the one they had experienced. Hippos could be a likely culprit, but they are not seen in this area anymore. People there say the Mokelium Bembe had chased them off. 1981 wouldn't only see McCall's return trip to find the massive but elusive beast. Herman Regusters would also make his own journey to the Congo to explore Lake Tele for the same prize. Regusters, an engineer from Pasadena, California, would do what Macau's people couldn't in actually reaching the secluded lake. While investigating the waters of Tele, both Regusters and his wife would witness what they described as a long, graceful neck ending in a snake-like head rise from the water 30 feet from their inflatable raft. The creature reportedly noticed them, stared for a moment, and lowered back into the water. The same team would go on to say that toward the end of the trip, they would hear a loud roar and tremendous commotion coming from the swamp near the camp one night. In 1983, a local Congolese biologist, Marcelin Aganagana, would also brave the stories and head to Lake Tele. His team would also witness an animal moving into the water with a long neck, snake-like head, and large broad back. Luckily, Agnagana had a Super 8 camera that he threw into quick action to capture footage of the thing. Unfortunately, though, he didn't switch the setting from macro to long distance, losing some of the best possible evidence that could have been achieved. The above information was gathered from a 2002 article titled In Search of the Congo Dinosaur, written by William J. Gibbons, a creationist who sees the existence of such a creature to reinforce Christian theology of the misinterpretation of the age of the world by science and humanity's place in it within that mistaken framework. He would go on in the article to describe three separate expeditions he had conducted to the region to verify the existence of the creature. Between bureaucratic delays, an active civil war that had erupted in the Congo, as well as the fact that many of the native Congolese believe that even speaking about the Mokilian Bembe will bring swift and certain death, not much came of these trips that spanned from 1985 to 1992. Gibbons would return to the area, this time to Cameroon, where there is a spiritual detachment from the creature, allowing the people to speak of it freely. While not experiencing any sightings of the suspected sauropod, many stories and reports were attained, some of them adding new characteristics to the creature. Some would say that they had seen an animal they called the Lakila Bembe that had exhibited spines down its back, neck, and tail. Gibbons notes that dermal spines on sauropods were not known to paleontologists until a specimen was found in 1991. Furthermore, the people of Cameroon would tell Gibbons and his team of another creature that stalked the swamps of the area. A four-horned quadruped with a neck frill is said to lumber through the forest goring its way through elephants for no apparent reason other than territory. In keeping with the prehistoric nature of the area, the natives would point out a triceratops from another illustrated dinosaur book as certainly being the monster in question. Even while having to avoid two forms of hulking death, the first being the Mokili, and now this new monster, Gibbon's team moved on with another expedition in 2002, with little to show for it. 
He states that he was in the hopes of going again, quote, soon, but we couldn't find where he did make good on this. But he did manage to write a book titled Mokele Mbembe, Mystery Beast of the Congo Basin. The book, published in 2010, chronicles Gibbon's excursions in the African rainforest in search of not only the Mokele, but also many other creatures thought to be myth, but he believes to hold credibility. If you've paid close enough attention to the show Destination Truth, you would know that the comedic genius that is Josh Gates is no stranger to the Mokele. In Season 2, the Destination Truth team traveled to Zambia to conduct their own investigation for the show. Piloting boats in Lake Benguelu and the surrounding swamps, they would have their fair share of run-ins with crocodiles and hippos that reside in the area. Interviewing natives at every turn, the show chronicled the dichotomy of opinions from the locals. While most everyday people in the area agreed that they had either seen or heard stories of the Mokele which they believed, some experts Gates had spoken to said they would be more worried about the aggressive hippos in the area than a dinosaur-like beast. Capturing some footage that wouldn't be deciphered until they returned to the States, they would only be left with clear images of hippos in the distant waters that couldn't be identified while in the field. Considering the team had about 20 minutes of showtime to investigate an area roughly the size of the state of Connecticut, there may not have been much hope of finding much concrete evidence. But of course, this tends to be the story with the network television shows, such as this no matter how entertaining they may be. In the end, what are we left with? A pretty rich folkloric history, one of the few areas of the world that hasn't been entirely explored or researched, and a little glint of hope that a little bit of mystery still remains in the world. Before we end this story, I'd like to leave you with this little bit of history. African gorillas would not be known to Westerners until the late 1850s, the first specimen being brought back to the UK in 1861. Furthermore, the same would be true of the mountain gorilla in 1902. Explorers and missionary would be told stories of the animals being able to do things much beyond their actual physical capabilities, and acting outside of their normal behavior which is known today. Stories that were surely tinted by the natives' fear of them from their brief encounters with them in the past. While seeming unbelievable, it wouldn't be until the discovery and study of gorillas when it would be ascertained that they could not uproot full-sized trees on their own. For example, examples as such as the gorilla are abound throughout history that is a previously perceived mythological animal having basis in reality, albeit without some of their more supernatural powers and characteristics. Could this be the case with the Mokele Mbembe? Only time will tell. And we anxiously await the moment that it does. exactly what could be there so if there's if there's any type of odd creature that could be found and this is barring underwater like deep sea stuff we're not even going to talk about that for one it scares the crap out of me and for two there's still <laughs> like the majority of of the earth left to discover under there that who knows what could be hiding there but if there's something that's big and substantial that could be that could be found that we're not sure of this is one of those places where it, it's got a much higher probability of being found so let's go into it how Angle says the English teacher in me shudders. It's all right, Holly. I'd, you know what? If we all spoke dictionary, then it would just be a bland world. It'd be boring. It's you fine. know, you know. It's fine. <clears throat> Excuse me for that cough. So we're going to get started today with literally the name Mokelium Bembe, which translates translates to one who stops the flow of rivers. Uh, 
alluding to its size. It's so big that it stops the flow of rivers, which in that in that case, it's kind of a broad uh, description of what it may be. To be exact, and to sum up all of our uh, what we will be going into, uh, it's a sauropod-like animal. So we're talking what um, people would commonly think of as like Brachiosaurus and Brontosaurus, which I believe are now antiquated terms. Um, I don't think science uses those terms for those, but if you are of a 90s kid <laughs> uh, variety, and even with my mom and my dinosaur face, she's probably heard of the Brontosaurus or the Brachiosaurus. Oh, yeah. As opposed to the Diplodocus, which uh, once you start getting into all these different dinosaur names, unless you uh, have, have known them for a long time, sometimes they get confusing, the difference between uh, a Diplodocus and a Gallimimus and stuff like that. Yeah. Ooh, that's the pop again. Wow. I'm sorry. Gross. It happens, man. That's what people do sometimes. Um, Diplodocus, like I said, kind of like a brontosaurus. It's a long-necked sauropod with a small head. So from here, we have kind of a range of stories. Now, you have to remember where we are in the world. We did talk about that we're in Africa, but more specifically, we're in the Congo River Basin, Congo Rainforest. And within this area, it actually encompasses nine different countries. Multiple rivers, multiple tributaries, uh, both swamps, lakes, what have you. So with this, I totally lost where I was, gonna, where, where I was going with that. But, <laughs> but we have across these nine different countries within this area, we have multiple tribes of people, multiple different um, cu- cultural backgrounds. Um, so we're, we're going to have this variation in, in sightings, culturally at least, if not physically. Uh, most generally... We're looking at a creature, like a, and I want to re- establish it one more time as we segue into the actual discussion of what it is. Uh, long neck sauropod ranging uh, from 16 to 32 feet. Uh, one story said it was a staggering 76 foot uh, version of it that was uh, out of Cameroon. On average, the neck is said to be about 5 to 10 feet long with a tail that's about the same length. Uh, some would even add like uh, this frill, like a chicken would have. You know what I pictured when, whenever we were recording that? You know what I pictured? What? That scene in Jurassic Park where um, Newman is in the car and those little, like, acid spewing little... Yeah, what are those? I don't even know. <laughs> God. They're the... That's what they are. Oh, you're testing me. Oh, if it was any other day, I'd be able to, I'd be able to say what it was. Oh, man. I don't even know. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Cynthia says, uh, yep, land before time. Uh, Ducky, I believe, was with a little little one. Do you know what there. happened to the little girl that voiced Ducky? What in the movie? I just no. seen that a couple weeks ago. I was looking on Pinterest. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she was murdered by her father. I think I heard that actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, she she did something else too. Judas Sarsky or something like that was her name. She she was famous for something else, Ducky, and then I yeah, thought... I can't remember because that's what's on it on her tombstone. Ducky, is the yeah, the Ducky, and yeah. then the. I don't remember something he says from the movie. Yeah, yeah, and that's sad. That is sad. Thanks for bringing us down. We were Sorry, having a good man. day. Man, we are having a good day. Uh, some variations of the story. To get back out of that. <laughs> to get back out of that. Um, some Whoops. variations put like a frill, like a chicken frill on it. And what's funny is, is we'll get into this later. I don't want to spoil anything later. But there's a few different variations on, on these mythological animals that come culturally from the area. Having a random chicken frill. So I wonder what that is. Because I'm not sure if chickens are actually n- indigenous to this part of Africa. I would assume that they would have come from Europe. I'm not sure. Probably, so that's, that's, yeah. So that's interesting. So 
So very large animals. And to, to put it in the background of what other indigenous life lives here, animal animal life, um, we do have hippos. There's a lot of hippos there, and there are crocodiles. So we have this conflagration of, of a possible creature that has a skin maybe akin to a hippo that uh, maybe acts kind of crocodilian, but its behavior is kind of more akin to the hippo than it is the crocodile. Um, I don't remember the exact numbers I had heard, and this is a certain number of years ago. I would imagine it remained mostly true, but hippos kill the most people in Africa. The yeah, they're more, mean more than every any other form of of uh, animal death. Am I wrong? Maybe I I, I would believe so because they're pretty mean. They're like they're ex- extremely territorial. Territorial, and yeah. It's such a large animal to be submerged, and sometimes they don't put much of their body out of the water. So yeah. here you come in your in your nice little raft, and suddenly. And here they come. They have teeth that like gore, gore the hell out of you. Yeah. So imagine a monster, I must say monster, <laughs> a dinosaur-like monster that acts like a hippo. Uh, it's it's perceived, the Mokele is perceived as not being a meat eater, not being a hunter necessarily, more of a vegetarian. Yeah. Uh, but having that hippo-like attitude, which would be extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. It won't eat you, but it will kill you. Mm-hmm. Yep. There are actually wood carvings uh, done by uh, local natives out of Western Africa that actually ha- have depicted this long-necked dinosaur form. Um, and in the script, I say it's, again, fiercely territorial. Maybe wrapping background. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, the first sighting, uh, for the first sighting, as we'll call it, by Europeans... Um, of this, of the Mokele Membe would be by a French missionary, and I'm going to butcher it, uh, Levine Bonaventure Proyart in 1776. Now, Proyart didn't actually see the animal. He had heard these stories, and he actually found a footprint that couldn't really by, be identified. Now, 1776, I mean, we're, we're really rushing in on the slave trade here. So even if he were a missionary, I mean, I'm not sure how much exploring or cataloging they really had interest in doing. So a lot, I would imagine a lot of the new animal life being seen in this part of the world, at least by, you know, if a French standard would have been new. But he did find this, this print that was a, about a meter, just over three feet in diameter with claws at the end in the Congo River area. So, again, he didn't see the animal, and thank goodness he probably didn't see it because he probably had a heart attack and flat out died because of of a foot in diameter with claws at the end. Who knows what made it and how ferocious it would have been. So, this moves us on until 1904, and we're jumping right ahead. 130 years, some odd years later. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be by explorer Lieutenant Paul Gratz, who would pen some notes about a creature similar to the Mokele. Um, was that in the same country? Zambia. So we came from, uh, I don't think it really specified was it where Cameroon? Proyart was. It just says Congo River area. Oh, okay. So be- being in 1776, there's probably, there probably weren't <coughs> national lines or anything like that. They just say the Congo River area. More specifically, in Zambia in 1904, again, Lieutenant Paul Gratz would pen some notes about a creature similar to the Mokele, known as the Nasanga. And and I'm just going to say it right now, we're already about 20 minutes into this. We're gonna we're just going to slaughter half of these names. Um, <laughs> yeah. So if you do not take our pronunciation as spelling to do your own research, just you're going to have to do the like work on this, some of these because it's terrible for us. Uh, handling as a legend, uh, living in Lake Benguelu. Lake Benguelu would be one of the bigger lakes that we're going to be talking about today that's going to be reoccurring with the legends of a Mokele-like creature. So, uh, the Nasanga, uh, being in, like I said, Zambia, Lake Benguelu, would also have characteristics as being dinosaur-like. And the interesting part about all this is, is we're going to come upon maybe three or four creatures that are going to be, quote, dinosaur-like. 
uh, coming from the natives in the area. Now, the natives in the area, especially more than more than so, uh, up until this time and probably not long after it, they don't really have a reason to want to like dig up dinosaur bones. They really don't care. Probably, I know. I'd imagine they'd be. I mean, being. A, it's 1776 to 1904. I don't want to go as far as to say hunter-gatherers because they have established settled tribes and villages. But it's just going to be more day-to-day living to have, you know, a lot of other stuff going on that they really care about going out and digging up dinosaur bones. I'd imagine it wouldn't have been much interest yeah. until the paleontologists came. And a lot of a lot of these shows, if you watch a lot of these shows with native tribes, I don't care where you are, whether or not you're, you know, you're in the South Pacific or you're in South America or, or be it Africa, the uh, indigenous people really still don't give a shit about what the scientists are coming for, other than the fact that the scientists are coming and they're willing to pay them to be guides or something yeah. else to bring more income in for the village. I mean, they lived around this stuff for their entire lives for generation new after generation. Them, yeah. So it's yeah, it's nothing like that's going to really shock them, which to me is like that's crazy. I'd, if if we went yeah. out to our backyard and dug up something that was ancient, I, I'd be thrilled about it, but I mean, we're we're in the first world. We have different priorities and we have the I guess the ability to take the time and to and to appreciate stupid stuff. I mean, that's not really stupid. I don't mean to sound like that, but we're not living in a, in a constant day to day where like you need this schedule or else you're probably not going to eat today. So with a lot of these people coming in and, and trying to establish, you know, uh, expeditions, it really helps these it really helps these these tribes. So on Pratt's footsteps would be a, would be the stories told to a one Carl Hagenbeck, who was a, a notable German game hunter. Um, stories would be described of a creature that was half dragon half elephant so now we're we're coming to that description uh that we described earlier um they resided in the great great swamps of today's zimbabwe hagenbeck would be so convinced of the existence of such a creature that he would send a group out searching for it and we have a quote for some of his writings here hagenbeck would write quote i am almost convinced that some such reptile must still be in existence at great expense therefore i sent out an expedition to find the monster but unfortunately they were compelled to return home without having proved anything either one way or another so he was still convinced that it was out there uh, being a big game hunter i imagine he'd been all over trying to hunt the, you know, the bigger predators of the world and maybe not even predators i'd assume elephants too um so he was convinced that the habitat in his in his experience would be suitable enough to hold something like this unfortunately there was no proof to back it up do you would you like to add anything i feel like i'm just talking about myself no you're okay i'm just keeping an eye on reaper here okay if you need me to if you want to interject you're really close to peeking out so i'm just like i am mm-hmm. oh uh you can turn me down either way uh, do it on the interface. And I can turn this up in Reaper, or you can do it the opposite. Probably, I'm probably giving you bad advice. Pardon, pardon the break. No, so that just, seems good. You're good. That's You're good. good. Okay, uh, thank you for t- telling me that. So, with the lack of uh, physical a physical creature being found uh, at this time, whether or not it's a uh, physical creature or any other evidence like a footprint or something, you'd think that the stories would be just kind of chalked up as a loss, just the stories. But people still continue to come back to the area. Um, each expedition, as my, uh, my notes say, each ex- expedition to not only the Congo, but also Cameroon and Gabon would yield more and more accounts of natives uh, about the Mokeli Mbembe. Um, with that being said, these stories still fuel people coming. So one has to ask, is, is it this weird phenomenon or this... Con- oh, somebody said you're muted. I'm muted now? Can you hear me? Somebody says we don't want to hear Alex. Oh, that's sad. I don't see any of that. Trista, I agree. Oh, oh, sorry. Trista. Can you guys hear me? Someone said I'm muted. 
No? Taking a little break? Drista, can you hear? Check it, check it, check it. I don't know. It just it just muted again. Uh-oh. Having technical difficulties. Unmute mic. Unmute mic. Are you doing it on StreamYard? Yeah. Okay. No, no. They said they can hear you. Wait. One person said muted. The other said I can hear. You can hear? Okay. They can hear now. Okay. They can hear now. Weird. You're good. Right, okay. Sorry. sorry. I don't know what that was. Weird. Uh, okay. Um, so now I lost, lost my place. So we have, we have this weird, I, I have to question, um, after so many white people coming to these villages, do you, is there a possibility you think that some of these tribes people are like, yeah, these people keep coming in and give us money to look for this dinosaur. Why wouldn't we keep telling stories to keep bringing people back for money? True. You know, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That? Yeah. Like we really don't Definitely. care about it. Like, but we'll take you through the woods. It, it kind of <laughs> reminds me of the story of the Hodeg. Um, yeah, and yeah, in a how bit. and and in how they, they they knew it was a hoax once they found out it was a hoax, but they still kind of I don't want to say encourage it. Well, kind of, yeah, they encourage it basically. But now it's like for a tourists cultural to come icon, in, though. you know, because it brings in money. Yeah, because otherwise, who would go to this? Uh, what is it? I'm trying to think the name of the town. Rhinelander, Rhinelander, Rhinelander. Wisconsin. You that, know, that's mean though. No one, no one has any other reason. Well, no, to go to I don't know. I'm just well, really. Sorry, Rhinelanders. No, I don't. I'm not meaning that as like you know, no, putting Rhinelander added... down. It's yeah. just you know, there's really no reason to go there. You know, there's unless you have family or you know something like that. Well, what if you want to go fishing? Are you going to go to Rhinelander, Wisconsin? Maybe. Like really? Maybe. Maybe they have got good fishing spots. <laughs> I was going to say that's a land of, of ten thousand lakes, but that's Minnesota, isn't it? Not Wisconsin. Either way, so I got I, while doing research, I, I this question got brought up in my head. You know, do you think mm-hmm. it, it may be? I don't want to say ploy, like it, it's not at all. I don't at all want to paint it in a nefarious fashion, but just they see a pattern here. So, in nineteen seventy six, herpetologist James Powell would travel to Gabon to study rainforest crocodiles. When he would continue to, continue to hear these stories, in his, in his case, from the Fang people. Um, the Fang people would call their version of the Mokele the Nyamala. Hopefully I say that right. Uh, and they uh, had seen the Nyamala exiting a small body of water. Um, in particular, a witch doctor would speak with Powell. His name was Michael Obang. And Obang, without question, would point to, uh, a, a dinosaur out of a reference book that Powell had, had with him. That was the Diplodocus. So we had this constant affirmation of this same featured body shape for this creature mm-hmm. whether or not it has a different name or not um again we're spanning these nine different countries and different tribes different cultural backgrounds even though we have different names for it they all still kind of sound or still kind of are depicted as the same so uh, interesting point there uh um oh yeah in the in the script here i got uh, i wanted to put in the uh, when the Diplodocus was was active was alive. Uh, now we're just reading to you real quick. The Diplodocus is a form of long-necked dinosaur that lived during the upper to late Jurassic <coughs> period, from about 161 million years ago to about 145 million years ago, and they resemble the Brontosaurus from the Jurassic Park films. If you know much more about dinosaurs than me, and it's not a hard stretch to think that you do, hopefully that information's right because I looked it up, and the whole timeline thing confuses me. So hopefully that's close. Powell would call upon a Dr. Roy J. McCall, who was a biologist from the University of Chicago and vice president of the International Society for Cryptozoology, to come along with him on an expedition. So how can we go wrong? How can we go wrong? No? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
Uh, they would go back to uh, they would actually go back to the Congo in 1979 to investigate these swamps. And now we're starting to see um, initially the stories of these uh, of these animals were kind of in caves. So you wouldn't go around a certain cave because they would come out of the cave, get all pissed off, and attack your boat. But now as the stories are still cataloged, we're seeing that that they actually are seen coming out into the tributaries, out in the swamps, and then out in these different different lakes. A few lakes would be of particular interest throughout this storytelling. Uh, mode of ours um i'm getting sidetracked here ah we're lost thank you this the 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 font here is messing with my eyes today uh they would go back to the congo in 1979 and they would meet reverend eugene thomas who had worked in the area since 1955 so he's got a lot of a lot of work with the people in the area during his missionary work and they would Come upon more and more reports, and we're gonna, like I said, we're gonna keep coming back to. I know we're bashing it, but that's kind of like that's kind of the mainstay of the story is was more, more and more of these reports. Um, and again, after all of these reports still pour in from different from different people, uh, from different tribes, they all still point out the same general body shape from these dinosaur reference books. Second question I have: We have numerous different scientists come in. We have numerous different peoples. Are all these missionaries, herpetologists, uh, whateverologists, just carrying random dinosaur reference books around with them? See, that's what I was kind of wondering too. But you're gonna, <laughs> but you think about it, you're gonna have to have some kind of frame of reference, you know? I guess to say, hey, pick out what you're seeing. Unless the first here. one to have have that happen, uh, he happened to have a dinosaur <laughs> reference book when he was trying to study the crocodiles or whatever, and then every subsequent ex- expedition is like, well, we need one of these because that's that's what they're pointing it out to be. So again, uh, we're, we're going to start moving out from these cave systems that the creatures reported to be in to more into the lakes, streams, and rivers and swamps of the areas. Uh, that would bring uh, us to McCall's trip in 1981. And so far, uh, so far, the subsequent trips from seems, McCall. Sorry. Sorry. That seems kind of odd, though, that they're looking for something because in my mind, kind of like our background here, I'm picturing Loch Ness monster. So you're looking for a Loch Ness type monster slash dinosaur in mm. like a river? Yeah. I mean, that would, like, I don't know. That would have to be a really deep river. Yeah, I think the deepest river is in Africa. I don't think it, I think it's in Eastern Africa, but. Huh. I mean, rivers do get pretty deep sometimes. Oh, yeah, I guess. Um, But I think it's more of this, the sheer area. Um, We're probably, uh, uh, we'll probably go more into this later, or at least specifically state this later. But we're talking about an area, the ge- geographical size of the state of Connecticut. So, the Jam Queen demands you end the stream? It's just a spammer. Oh. Did it just pop up? Did you click it up? No, I no, I keep having to click it off because oh. like they're doing it constantly. Oh, God. Shut up. Can you block them? That's dumb. Oh, yeah. We got to give Trista a shout out. We're I totally forgot. Yeah. Uh, let's For the uh, sh- uh, invites. Yeah, remind us, remind us at the and end. Hold so on. I'm lost now here. What are you lost on? If they did have those books for reference, mm-hmm. then... The, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Then they could possibly have... Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, in, in a way, though, in a way, though, because if you had if you had a reference book of overweight bearded men, we just have a ton of spammers you, in here today. Do you think? Do you think they would point out me as being the Mokeli Mbembe? I mean, I don't, I don't want to go that far because I think I'm, I think I'm stretching that. I'm going to the umph degree on that one. But in, re, but in reality, well, if, if you have this, okay, there's, for example, if you had this entire dinosaur reference book and you have dinosaurs spanning the shape of like velociraptors to like triceratops into like long neck dinosaurs, 
one could say that it's influencing it, but at the same time, they've been through this entire book with, with varying different body shapes, and then they've decided that it looks the most like this one. So is that necessarily the case? Could that be the case? Because if you had a book full of birds, would they pick a bird for it to look like or say, no, it doesn't even look like a bird. It's not a bird, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Well, see, my thing is, wasn't there something in there about like older depictions? Like the wood carvings. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So you can't say that their um, descriptions of the thing could be based on a book or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. When they haven't had access to that kind of thing. Yeah, that's a good point, too. So you know, they, they've been doing... Cause, yeah, because remember, too... If they've been doing this carved wood art longer than these books have been these shown to them... Look all these spammers on here. Wow. I don't, see, I don't see any of it. You had a lot? Yeah. Weird. With threats. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. What are they saying? End the stream. End the stream. Or we're going to post your address and stuff like this. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So I guess we'll just have to leave them and then... Go to YouTube later and report them. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. So please disregard. Shout us out if we're doing something inappropriate right now. I mean, I'm wearing a Pac-Man shirt. It's trademark. You yelled at me for that earlier, but... uh... Oh, God. I didn't even notice the Pac-Man shirt. (laughs) Oh, God. We're doomed. (laughs) Or the... Um, So uh, back on track besides the the, the random spammers. Mm. Okay. That's weird. Um... I wasn't saying every account. Oh, I wasn't saying every account, just a few that already knew oh, yeah, yeah. they were hunting for certain No, cryptos. yeah, I was just saying, yeah. Uh, Trista says, I was kind of mumbling there. Trista says that she wasn't saying uh, every account, just possibly a few that already knew they were hunting for certain cryptids. True, but you still need that basis. I mean, the basis, in my opinion, is already established. And I think that you'd be, <laughs> that you'd be kind of, um, oh, there's, a, there's a phrase for it when you, uh, oh gosh. When, they, when, when somebody would come along looking for a specific cryptid and they want you to pick something out so that, that they know and you know that, you, that you're talking about the same thing, that they were all like, oh, yeah, this bike guy was trying to come for looking at the Mokele. Oh, Mokele, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Pay him lip service a little bit. So, yep, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, like, we do have these old older wood carvings that kind of depict a creature before uh, the establishment <laughs> of... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Sorry. Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. <laughs> We're having just difficulty after difficulty today. It's just like, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that, I think, I think we're going too, too deep into that one, but yeah, I think, I think it's a, it could be a little bit of that, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to all out say that that is the case, but I would, I would agree, Trish, that maybe in some of them, but at the same time, it doesn't really affect the whole if that were to happen. So, uh, with every trip that McCall had to make, there's not really a whole lot that happens to him besides, uh, besides the fact of these different, you know, stories still coming in, uh, in his uh, return trip in 1981, he would go with a larger team, uh, trying to have an end destination with, uh, where, where, where they were going to be looking in this case would be Lake Tele, um, <laughs> relatively, <laughs> what was that? Hmm? You just do that in the microphone? Sorry, sorry. My throat is all like messed up. Jeez. <laughs> So Lake Tele, a relatively shallow lake, surrounded by swamps, um, particularly uh, inhabited by the Bogambe tribe. Hopefully I said that right. Who had supposedly had a run-in with Mokele uh, some years, maybe even generations before, um, and they didn't kill it. So for one reason or another, the maybe the aggression of the animal wasn't in, in the need of having to uh, kill it. But uh, they said they saw it and they had an, an, you know, encounters with it, but they didn't kill it to have any type of proof, bones, or otherwise. By this point in time, 
So McCall and his group had a real strong feeling they're going to find something in Lake Tele if they would have made it there. See, the there's a river, and I say there's a river because I don't want to try to pronounce it. <laughs> Can you want to try this one? Oh, no. I, I don't even have the script <laughs> up because I have, I have Reaper, so oh, I can't man. even... I can't even see it. I'm oh, screwed. gosh. Okay, so here it is. The Lakuala Al Urbe's River, and that's probably not even close, uh, would be the start of their trip. And in in that river, I'm not going to try it again, that river would, would meet with the Bai River. And the Bai River would take them to Lake Tele. Unfortunately, at the time of the year with storms coming through, the Bai River would be extremely clogged with fallen trees and debris, not allowing them to get past it with their, with their, with their dugout canoes. So that would proved to be the end of the trip the only thing that would really happen of, of of surprise with this trip to mccall's expedition would be that while in their dugout canoes they were actually near the town of ah i just had it where are we at uh apina uh and coming around a river bend something would submerge itself <laughs> Ooh, you scared me oh my god <laughs> something would submerge itself in the water that's my boom arm it's like right there. Uh, something would submerge itself into the water near the riverbank and cause a wake that was more than 18 inches big, high. It almost toppled all the canoes over. Um, after talking with some of the native guides and then amongst the team, they were pretty sure that it wasn't a crocodile because a crocodile most generally wouldn't be big enough to cause a wake this big, but a hippo could. And the only thing about that is a lot of the natives says the hippos aren't even around there anymore. They don't even frequent that area. And... And as a little aside, they're not in that area anymore, they say, because the Mokelia chased them all away. Dum, dum, dum. Ooh. So, interesting. Do you have any thoughts on that? No. Nothing at all? You're not going to help me a little bit? No, I'm too busy battling the spammers <laughs> over here. Is there, are they still going? Me, Trista, tell them to suck an egg. Yeah. They're still going? Yeah, and I, I can't do anything about it, guys. They're just say, I, saying the same stuff? Well, no, they're talking about telling us to end the stream, and I don't even know. Interesting. Just your typical people who have nothing better to do with their lives. Huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. 1981 would not only see McCall's return trip, but also see a, a trip uh, by a Pasadena, California native named Herman Regusters. Uh, see, it seems I've heard of him before, but yeah. I don't know what it's for. I got to... Oh hair or something right there but I, um, I can't remember in what context i've heard of him huh. but the name sounds from maybe it's a book no a movie hmm. a documentary interesting something uh herman augusters <laughs> uh would be an engineer from pasadena who would who would uh i think finance his own trip i could be could be mistaken on that one um and he would succeed where uh oh, i cannot keep names in my head today I just give up. He succeeded in where McCall had failed, and he actually reached Lake Telly with his wife. And they would claim to have seen a creature that they described as having a long, graceful neck that ended in a snake-like head uh, that rose from the water 30 feet from their inflatable raft. So this Lake Telly seems to be the, the holy grail of where you need to be to see a Mokelly-like creature. Yeah, like creature. the hot spot. Yeah, and the only thing that... Ground uh, that, central. That, uh, that really makes me pause <laughs> is that... You know, McCall's trip tried to get there and they couldn't. And then the first people that tried to make it there under the impression that's where they're going to find the Michele finds literally exactly what they were looking for. Not only in a creature, but a creature matching the description. Yeah. So I'm not going to say that it's odd in that it may be a fraudulent claim, but it does seem to line up perfectly with what 
you know you would expect to find if you're looking for you know this cryptid. But um, the uh, the head would lower back into the water, um, and besides that, oh, the only other thing that they would really find on this trip or here rather would be a loud roar and tremendous commotion coming from the swamps near their camp at night. But this is a pretty big thing. There was no evidence of it that could be that could be re-verified. No pictures, no videos, or anything like that. Yeah, but, they screwed up. But they nope, that was the other one. Oh, oh, yeah, my bad. But they my claim bad. to have literally seen a Mokele creature that looked like a sauropod. So that's pretty big in itself, being. A yeah. modern sighting. In 1983, a local Congolese biologist named, and again, just it's just one name after another, Marcelin Agnangna, and I think that probably said that the best. Yeah, that's one that screwed me, though. Go re-record it in the uh, narrative. Uh, would also brave the stories to head to Lake Tele. His team would also witness an animal moving in the water with, again, long neck, snake-like head, and a large, broad back and thankfully agnaga had a super 8 camera that he had the wherewithal to pick up and film the creature and you're thinking yes we could go look at this video right now you'd be mistaken because even though he had the wherewithal to pick up the freaking thing he didn't switch it from macro to long distance shot mode and there's nothing to be seen you can't see it can't make it out I haven't seen it, but this is the description in the articles that I had read that there may have been a video of it, but there's absolutely nothing you can make yeah. out. Because but you can't simple... blame him, though, because honestly, no, you, you see something like that, you're, you you know, even now, like, we grab our camera and, Kelly you know. says she lost us on YouTube. <sighs> Interesting. Yep, huh. it says unavailable. Weird. I don't know, guys. Thank you, Kelly, for hopping back over. Sorry. Kelly, did you see all those spammers in there? Yeah, it was just crazy. That's weird. So, yeah, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't switch the setting, so it made the whole thing kind of useless. I lost it. Lost what? He lost it. The oh, video. Yeah, he lost, yeah, he lost yeah. it. So they were this close, and they and they didn't get it. Oh, I oh the level of ticked off I would be. I know. Um, that would be like <laughs> being there and catching Bigfoot, and then finding out that uh. Uh, you know, you didn't have enough storage space or something like that on your phone. Like, <laughs> yeah. that would totally be my luck. That'd be terrible. Frickin' frickin'. Okay. So Sorry, the above but account, I would. The above account was gathered from a 2002 article titled In Search of the Congo Dinosaur, written by a William J. Gibbons. William J. Gibbons will take the uh, rest of our story here on out for the most part. William J. Gibbons is a creationist. And, th and he's very important to our story because he will make multiple trips as well. Now... The reason why it's important to bring up that he's a creationist is how closely the relationship is between cryptozoologists and creationists and the fact that they want to find and document animals of a cryptozoological nature, even if for different reasons. Yeah. In, in Mr. Gibbons's case, excuse me, in Mr. Gibbons's case as being a creationist and being this part of his belief, he believes that the world is not as uh, geologically old as scientists claim it to be. He wants to really... Uh, impactfully prove that the biblical world sense of how the world was created and how young or old, however you want to view that, the world is via the Bible is the way that it actually is and not how geologically yeah. old science claims it to be. Now, this is to get in this. To, oh, Kelly says, yes, I refreshed it and it said it was deleted by the author. Wow. Oh, I don't even have it up. This is the first time we've ran into this. So if anybody... Hold on, let me see. Hold on. Let's see what it says here. If anybody at a later date who's watching this or listening to this on the podcast, on the on the audio release on Tuesday, if you've had any experience with this YouTube stuff on spammers, like yelling in caps to end the stream for some reason, like spamming it, 
Let us know. That's weird. That's the I first can't time even we've get ever, it to load. Hold on. First time we've ever experienced something like that. Um, Maybe it's because we're live. Still weird. No, it so, should still. Oh, no. Okay, there it goes. Hold on. Huh. There. Okay, I'm going to keep going, though. Yeah, it's gone. So, it's not even on there. Like the whole video is deleted? The whole video is gone. Huh. Am I just not seeing it? That sucks. So... With with the world in, in this creationist mindset not being as old as it, as old as it is, he wants to prove that the that the in the biblical sense that dinosaurs and and the lives of, of people overlap. That there's not yeah. millions of years of difference between when the dinosaurs existed as science claimed and the in the emergence of, of, of humans as we commonly know them. So if he were to find a, a throwback from a, a previously ancient era, such as a long necked sauropod like creature as in the Mokele, that would kind of go to prove his point as a creationist. Now, again, from from a cryptozoologist's point of view, I still wanted him to find it. <laughs> if you oh, hell Mokele, yeah. Yeah, I don't definitely. Care. I don't care why <laughs> it's around or how you believe it came to be. If it goes to prove your point more of your Bible, then go ahead and do it. But that would be awesome if you could find his proof because that'd be a crazy, a crazy, a crazy, fi- you know, a crazy find. Yeah. So Gibbons would go out and, let me see here, three separate expeditions. And the first one, uh, well, between bureaucratic delays and active civil war in the Congo, and the fact that the native Congolese believe that even speaking about the Mokele will bring swift and certain death, not much came of the trips that span from 1985 to 1992. Uh, he would return to the area in Cameroon, where uh, there's a spiritual detachment from the creature, meaning that the locals can actually speak about the Mokele without thinking that they're going to incur his wrath. Mm-hmm. So they can openly speak about it as just like, like, a, like a creature, as opposed to being some type of hybrid supernatural entity yeah. that will find you if you speak of it. Yeah, kind of like a like uh, skinwalkers. Yes, from Skinwalker Ranch. Yes, you know the uh, I can't remember which tribe, or I think it's probably a couple of them specifically. Yeah, I'm yeah, trying to think which Western ones they were. Algon- yeah, Algonquin. And, and yeah, Navajo yeah. They say well. you don't even talk about it. You don't even speak its. I'm sorry. You, you know the name of the. I'm thinking of the Wendigo for Algonquin. It's like the Navajo and yeah. The, uh, no, I'm talking about Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. Oh, um, because I'd watch. Yeah. Uh, the Utes, yeah, that's yeah. it. Because I was watching a video on that or a, a documentary, and like they won't even get so within a certain distance away from it because they're just like, no, that place is haunted. It's cursed. It's bad juju. Yeah. Don't, don't yeah. go there. That's where this the the thing we do not speak of. Yeah, is. So Gibbons would come back to Cameroon, and while he wouldn't actually find, again, we this kind of a common thing besides the past few stories that we have, wouldn't find actual physical evidence of anything, but he would still acquire more stories. The only difference here is, is that the stories he would acquire would actually, in a way, kind of have scientific backing. Some of the stories that he had found with some of the natives there, they added that they, that and this is, I didn't find the exact tribe name, but it's going to be a different tribe than we've discussed. Mm-hmm. They have a creature that they call the Laquila Bembe which exhibited spines down its neck, back, and tail. Now, Gibbons wants to note that dermal spines on sauropods was not known to paleontologists until a specimen was found with them in 1991. And we're talking about stuff that had been reported in 1985. So in his mind, that's half verification. That science didn't have an example of a sauropod-like animal that that they believe actually existed millions of years ago having these dermal spines. But he found a tribesman who said that there's an actual living animal that looks like a sauropod, still alive, and has these dermal dermal spikes running down. So it's kind of like um, a connection for him that really really makes sense just scientifically and and from his own beliefs. Sorry. Jen, so, Jen's coming. This is Trista. It won't let me comment at all. What is going on today? Something's going crazy. 
Mm. Anyway. I don't know, guys. Let's move on. We're okay, at 50, yeah. 51 minutes. We'll have to figure this out later. What's going on? Yeah. Um, hopefully, they can still hear us and everything. Uh, furthermore, the people of Cameroon would tell Gibbons and his team of another creature that stalks the swamps of, uh, stalked the swamps of the area. So now we're on, like, what? Creature two or three, but this one's going to be completely different. Again, using a dinosaur reference guide, they don't point out the sauropod-like long neck. They point out a more triceratops creature from these illustrated books. Um, They said... uh, Oh, I moved on too quickly there. Gibbons braving the the idea of possible two forms of hulking death, one being the Mokele, and then the other one being this other triceratops creature. He would carry on through his expeditions. And with little to show for it. He was hoping to go back soon as of 2002. We did not find anything of that, that he actually went back. But he did end up writing a book titled Mokele Mbembe, Mystery Beast of the Congo Basin. A book was published in 2010. I can't wait to read that. that it, it sounds like a good one. Yeah. Chronicles Gibbons' <laughs> excursions in the African rainforest in search of not only the Mokele, but some of these other creatures of myth that he belo- that he holds to uh, be true, that possibly be true. Mm-hmm. So, do you have anything about Mr. Gibbons that you want to discuss? No, but I really would like to read that book, though. Yeah. I'll have to check on Amazon, see uh, how much it is. And I don't think it's that expensive, especially paperback. I, th- I think it's really understandable. Oh. Yeah, mm. it does sound like a good book. Mm. Uh, from there on, we move on to Destination Truth. <sighs> and as you can tell by her voice, she doesn't like Destination Truth. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. You, you didn't not say it either. Well, you can elaborate. It's okay. It's okay. I just. She wanted to talk bad about Josh Gates. No, I love Josh Gates, no. but I'm just saying, like he's always falling down, or something's always happening. I believe the you the... know, like the episode where the plane roof. I wasn't him. Took off. I'm. I'm just saying, though. It's just. I believe she used the phrase "bumbling oaf." I love you, Josh Gates. To which I defended you, Mister Gates. I didn't mean it like that. And I said that you're a saint and don't ever speak of Mr. Gates as such again. The, the comedic genius that is Josh Gates. You'll you'll find out why that's funny later. Yeah. Uh, uh, within the confines of Destination Truth, if you've ever watched that show, most generally they split the show up um, into two parts. Hour-long show, about 20 minutes uh, each of both. Because, of course, in an hour-long show, you got tons of commercials. So that amounts at half hour per subject really boils down to 20 minutes per show. So they had about 20 minutes to mm-hmm. again kind of investigate and and show what they what they have to have found uh, of the Mokele from a from an area the size of the state of Connecticut. So as with most paranormal shows, not a lot was found. And they kind of did and even though as much as I love that show, they did kind of make as best of mystery as they could oh, in that yeah. uh, during the day they were going through kind of looking and they seen something off in the distance in the water. They couldn't quite make it out, but it looked like two humps, so was that it? And it wasn't discovered till they got back to Los Angeles and they did up all the film editing and all the clearing up of everything. They found out that clearly, like awesomely clearly that it was hippos. Yeah. Um I think they might have caught something on a floor heating or FLIR heating camera, a heat sensor camera. Um, but again, it was just like a spot of hot in, in, in the lake. So there's nothing you can really tell from that. So as with most of these shows, not much was found. Uh, so the entertainment value comes from the comedic genius that is Josh Gates. So I will continue to watch it. That one and Destination Unknown. I don't care what any of you think about it because I'm still going to watch it. <laughs> Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, All in all, 
that's what we have for this story today. And what I wanted to end the script with, and you guys haven't heard this yet. Um, again, I've been trying to follow along with the script more when we do the lives so that you're getting the information as it's kind of presented. If you listen on yeah. Tuesday, you just won't get the, the pretty up recorded version. Pretty, nice, ni- nice, neat recording little recording version. Package. <laughs> yeah. Podcast package. Yes. I wanted to wrap this up with, with, with a lot of people who may think, and this is including me sometimes, that um, we've kind of discovered most that there is to discover. If we're going to discover something, again, barring under under the miles deep oceans, we're not really going to make huge discoveries. We may find these little different variations and species of monkeys, but we're not going to find a dinosaur on Earth. Now, this is the one thing I want to leave you with. Historically, African gorillas were not known to Westerners until the 1850s. On the cusp of the Civil War, we still had not seen an African gorilla. More specifically right now, the lowland gorilla, which is a little bit easier to find in Western Africa. And just remember, too, we've been in that area. Well, I say we. I do not take part in this. Uh, <laughs> Westerners have been in that area for at least 200, 250 years with a slave trade. So it wasn't until 1860 that they had actual experience discovering these lowland gorillas. It wouldn't be until... 1902 until we discovered the actual mountain gorillas so like yeah. silverbacks and stuff like that which i find that kind of hard to believe because like the locals you didn't like you guys never seen one no the locals did oh but not westerners oh 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 okay yeah my bad my bad so up until then locals have told stories about these wild people in the woods who could do things that were just totally astronomically got astronomically outside their what there would be perceived as their physical capabilities giving them this supernatural air about them the fact that they could uproot trees by themselves if they got angry enough or what have you and and you, yeah, come you upon always got to add to the embellish the story yeah you come upon these stories just like we have in the mokele you have it could stop rivers because it's so big it could come yeah. after you if you if you simply say its name it could find and kill you so we have in these african gorillas almost the same instance until we actually discovered it as a as a western society and we want to say until we actually discovered again i take no part of that either we say we discovered it as in the natives had no real interest in 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 conserving and conserving them they had no real interest in uh, uh doing uh study on them to see their behaviors how they live how they reproduce uh how close in mentality are they with us even though they kind of looked vaguely mannish so they had no real interest in that so when we say we quote unquote discovered them which i don't really like to say that that's kind of the case because of the actual study that would ensue with such quote unquote discovery that wasn't done before yeah. all of this were still in the last century, 1902, until they were found. Kind of hard to believe. Yes. And we all know gorillas today. I mean, we grew up with, we grew up knowing exactly what gorillas were. Who were the two people that did, that did a lot of the work with the gorillas? Oh, gorillas, oh gorillas I just mist. saw a video about her the other There's day. There's two women, I thought. Jane Goodall. Jane Goodall, yep. And I there's another think, one. I can't think. I can't Didn't think. did Sigourney Weaver play her? Uh, yeah, in the movie, yeah. That's not Jane I Goodall, is it? No, Jane Goodall. Who was the other lady? I can't think. I'm drawing a blank. I don't know. But a lot of that still stems. I mean, <clears> when, when I don't remember the exact dates on these two people. Because I just, I, did, I didn't I go. I think hers was like, what, uh, Jane Goodall's been like, what, six, 60s, 70s? I was thinking it was around there. 80s? But I didn't do a deep dive in it because I just used this as, as a thinking point for the end of the narrative to, to, to get you to think a little more about that aspect. We have these people yeah. who are still kind of trying to study these animals and their, and their behaviors and their, and their traveling patterns and all of that. Up until the time when we're alive, when we're literally alive, this yeah. is still happening. Yep. So just because 
we think we've mastered everything in the world and we've found everything there is to find. Diane Fossey. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Diane Fossey, yes. Couldn't think of it. And we've discovered everything there is to discover. Up until 1902, a freaking mountain gorilla was unknown to people. Yeah. And those things are freaking huge. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't believe in Mokele because how could a huge dinosaur exist in a place like this? Yeah. But at the same time, we do have these instances of other animals that were said to exist Maybe not exactly with their myth- mythological and supernatural powers attributed to them, but they were still exist in, in some form. Mm-hmm. So some of these mythologies and some of, this folk, some of these folkloric tales hold some kernel of truth, which I'd be interested to see if the Mokele is its own entity. Again, minus the supernaturalness yeah. about it or whatever. Or is it is it just this combination of, of sightings of hippos and crocodiles? And let's make, make no mistake about it. Hippos are worrisome in themselves well yeah but they're not uh, yeah but they're not what you would describe as being dinosaur like Mm. not uh, you know in in that way Mm. so i'm still gonna say but i've heard one one theory going back taking this full circle about your loch ness monster that's what i was gonna say some people think that was like river otters or seals that have gotten into the lock and you get multiples lined up this is the same instance this is the same instance of the theory with the uh, Lake Erie monster, that it's a series of of sturgeon lining up, and that's what you perceive as humps, when in all reality it's it's separate animals in line clusters. or whatever. Yeah, clusters. Yeah. So are we looking at different hippos lined up in the same fashion, making you think of something like that? And that's why the color ranges from the gray to the, you know, reddish, the reddish brown. brown. Yeah, because reddish brown, that's the color of a hippopotamus. Yeah, yeah. So is 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 that a possible explanation? But the the most heartening thing about it is people are still going. People are still trying looking. to explore. Yep. Even if not looking for the Mokele, they're looking for other things and mm-hmm. just trying to establish what kind of wildlife lives there. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we get a Mokele out of this. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. That is it for me today. Do you uh, have anything to add about the Mokele? Um, no, I was just uh, I was just thinking, you know, if they could just you know, in any of these places where you've had these types of creature sightings, you know, Loch Ness, and McKillian Bembe, there's other ones like Lake Erie, but I think there's even more. Well, yeah, like Lake Champlain. Uh, you know, there are numerous other Ogopogo. ones. Ogopogo, yeah. So, you know, if they could just find one, you'd think that would kind of link in all the other ones. You know what I mean? Maybe. I would think. Maybe. That's my hope. I mean, we're we're also in this in the different terrestrial plane, but not being on land. It's it's in the water. Yeah. And so sometimes you can't look in the water and see what's in there. Yeah. Which provides that added mystery. And just about any type of cryptozoological animal that comes from an area they can't readily see into, comes that air of what if. Yeah. As opposed to the ones Could that you be? see jumping down the street in anywhere USA. Yeah. You know. So anyway, I think that wraps up today. True, but I'm holding out for it. If you guys have anything to say about the Mokele, <laughs> any thoughts, um, if you've listened to something today that we've been completely wrong about, let us know. If you agree with something we say, hey, let us know too. Uh, if you believe in it, what do you, you think? If you have yay. any extra information. Yay. Yep. 
or nay. You can get at us on Facebook. We do have a group, a Supernatural Tendencies group. If you haven't joined there already, get in the mix with the, uh, with that. We're both in there actively. So if you have anything yeah, to add yeah. on this week's episode, hell, any episode, get in there and add it. Uh, we like to have this. Uh, that's why we started this podcast to begin with, to have a, a bigger family of people to help discuss this with, as opposed to ourselves at 3 o'clock in the morning over too many beers. So It's true. It's true. Yep. Uh, comment on uh, this video if you'd like. Share us around if you could. Um, that lead us. That leads us to shoutouts. Trista Burj Kaiser. <laughs> you knew I was waiting to do that for uh, wonderfully inviting all of her wonderful friends into the Supernatural Tendencies group. She's done a hell we of a job. We appreciate that. it. She's already she in man. We couldn't do it without you, Trista. Yep. And then who? And who, Jen. And Jen. Who was on the YouTube that commented before it shut down? Was it Soccer Dennis? Is that what it said? Dennis Soccer. I don't think I saw. So, that so one. who asked about the shoutouts? Oh, 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 I don't know. I can't remember. And it probably YouTube, won't let me go up that YouTube far. isn't up anymore. So if, if someone's watching in the Facebook Live right now that is that person. No, oh, I just I thought somebody else commented on it. Um, we can't see that YouTube anymore. Hopefully you switched over to the yeah. Facebook Live. Um, I don't see you in the Facebook Live anymore. Are we missing shout outs? Uh, I think the only one we had this week was Trista. I think oh, so. Yeah. I hope we're not wrong. Soccer, yeah, Dennis, yeah, soccer. yeah, Jen, Jen said me and Trist, just me and Trist, I believe. Yeah, ah, yeah. Oh. But oh, I wanted to tell you this before we leave. Uh, did you see on? Uh, was that on Andrew Z? No, it wasn't on Andrew Z. It was on my live reads the other day. Did you see that Dennis Asberg was in there? Was he? Yes. Huh. I, I was so excited. Nice. If anybody yeah. of you have been with us from, I was like. From uh, nearly the beginning, I think it might have been like episode three or four, we did the Baltic Sea Anomaly. Um, we actually had a comment uh, from it was three. the co-founder of Ocean, the Ocean X team, Dennis Asberg, uh, had said that we had done a pretty good job in covering in covering the Baltic Sea. Me being the perfectionist that I is, uh, the Baltic Sea Anomaly episode could have been done better, but that's the way that's where we started. And he gave us some more information as to the current state at that time, which was like yeah. what October or something. Yeah, I so think that's it was. What, that's yeah. who she's speaking about, who was on her. On her uh, live stream, there was Dennis Asberg. So, thank you, Mr. Asberg, for keeping keeping in touch. Um, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, yeah, both of them are. I can't remember the other ones. And he's in the group too. Dennis Asberg. Yeah, is? he's in our group. Yeah. And Mr. Keith Lunder is a is a common is a common poster. In oh yeah. I'm glad he's kept up too. So, yeah. Mr. Lunder, thank you for sticking around. I think we he's got another book out. I think. Does he really? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'll have to look that up. It was up. something. I'm not sure. I think it was a book. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. If you guys don't know who Keith Lunder is, he is from. Uh, the haunted, no, the Bothell Hell House. Yep, Bothell of uh, Washington State. Yep, we've done an episode Super on cool. that, and we actually had a. That's our only live interview that uh, live interview that we've had uh, yeah. with somebody directly involved with a case. Yeah. So uh, I have a couple ideas of a few other people that I would like to at least get in contact with to get at least a no from. Uh, but um, they're uh, they're still in the works, and I need the I need the time to be able to to actually get that. Um, yeah. Arranged into place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's coming. It's coming, guys. So yep. stay tuned. Stay tuned. Is that it for today? It's coming. That is it. What do we have coming next week? So stay tuned, you guys. Next week we have the Jim Sullivan mystery. Uh, disappearance mystery. Super cool case. Uh, so be sure to join us next Sunday. I almost said Saturday. Next Sunday. It might not be Sunday. It might be Saturday. I don't know. You're killing me, Smalls. I told you. Okay. Here, I'm wow. going to tell you all this because you all listen better than she does. Originally, originally <coughs> he switches we, it up on me all no. the time. Originally, <laughs> we were doing this on Saturdays, 
and the uh, band practice for Dur Worship kind of lagged. So one day we we're like, hey, we can't do it on Saturday. Can we do it on Sunday? And I said, yes, we can because well, I don't the, practice. Then with the corona thing, because you're not so, supposed to be out, blah, 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 blah. So I said we couldn't do it. We could do it on Sunday for that Sunday because we didn't have practice. We haven't had practice in a while, so we've been doing it on Sundays now. And I keep telling her that I have band practice on Sunday. Sunday is Dirt Worship Day. Yes, but you so, couldn't do it on Saturday nights because you couldn't be out driving late. But we could do it Saturday during the day. But you don't want to do it Saturday during the day. Because I have other things that I have to do. Ew, I got other things I got to do. Join Ew. me next Saturday night where Ew. I will be. <laughs> Alex will be in the closet <laughs> wrapped up in duct tape. Anyway. Anyway, I'd say that's probably it for today. Um, if you're listening to this in the audio form um, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or after, please stick around for the Musician Spotlight. we got a hell of a band for you today, and I'm pretty excited about you hearing it. For everybody in the live today, you will have to wait till Tuesday. I'm sorry, but that's oh, the way it works. Man, that's wow. the way it works. That's the incentive for you to, st- for you to st- listen to it again that's on Tuesday. That's kind of harsh. Anyway. It's a great band, though, so you'll want to listen to the podcast. You're going to like it. You're going to yeah. like it. As for today, signing off, this is Ben Alex. And Christy. We'll see you later. Bye, guys. Love you. Bye. We'd like to say thank you one more time for hopping on board with us this week. If you have any comments, questions, critiques, or suggestions for new topics, please send us an email at supernaturaltendenciespodcast at gmail.com. We also encourage you to get over to our Facebook page at Supernatural Tendencies Podcast and go ahead and elbow drop that like button for us. We're also available on Instagram at Supernatural Tendencies Podcast and Twitter at Weird and scary, if that's more to your liking. Please pass us around to your friends as well, where they can find us on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and most other podcast platforms. And remember, if you're having any type of paranormal activity or extraterrestrial contact, I offer private coaching online via Skype or Facebook Messenger to assist you with those issues. Feel free to visit me at ChristyJohnsonSadler.com for contact information. Till next time, this has been Alex and Christy. See you later. Back in front of the mics again after that crazy live today. Oh, she's counting down. Oh, I sorry. Started, okay. I started too early. She was counting me in. Uh, after the crazy live today. That was that was nuts. If you're listening to this on, on Tuesday or after and you weren't around for this live, we just had like a spamming bot happen on the YouTube live it feed. It was a spam up a And I don't know if, uh, if just the sheer amount of spamming to end the stream for some reason caused it to delete the video. But if you go back now and try to look for it, if I go back and try to look for it, it said this video was taken down by the author or, or poster or uploader, and we def- definitely did not do that. What were some of the comments? Did you see? It was like, end this stream. They or dark to- things will happen. Did it say that? Yeah. What the hell? I don't know. Oh, like, this wasn't even conspiratorial. It was about a freaking dinosaur cryptid. Anyway, 
thank you for having uh for for sticking around having thank you for sticking around for this uh this uh crazy band that kind of goes along with a crazy day today we have the laurentian tides i hope i'm saying that correctly um i looked up a few videos i think that's how they pronounce it a fantastic band out of grand rapids michigan um man it's really kind of toolish the way they do things they say it's like a progressive technical metal um that term scares me does it scare you a little bit because it's like oh ah ah but once you listen to it it's, it's like walking it's on text that's what it sounds like it's gonna be <laughs> not their music but it's just, that's what it sounds like it's going the to be the moniker of yeah progressive technical metal yeah <laughs> like scientists doing heavy metal <laughs> but this band is not walking on tax they're a fantastic band uh again they're kind of toolish kind of opethish if you're into that uh, i think they even say those two bands in their kind of description there uh five piece i believe bass guitar player singer drummer four piece i'm terrible at numbers that's why i just don't do them i'm not allowed to tip the pizza guy anymore because i can't do math and they're really happy when they leave which makes my wife not very happy when they leave three dollars fifty dollars it's all the same indeed they do have a couple albums out and a couple of music videos out we're going to post links to that in the description of this if you get time check them out very good quality stuff uh we don't have a lot for them as has been the kind of the case here with some of these bands was that the dog yep Oh my gosh, which has been kind of the case with this. I think we covered this last week with kind of uh, with the stay at home order, at least in Ohio and in Michigan, I think is a little more strapped down. No, not many shows are going on across the nation right now. So I don't think they were doing any, uh, a whole lot of live stuff. I could be wrong. I didn't see it. Uh, they could be doing some live, some live streams that you can check them out for the time being until we start seeing some more shows uh, involved again after all this stuff cools down. If it ever does, maybe we'll just ride into a, apocalyptic hellfire who knows even if we did ride into apocalyptic hellfire laurentian tides would fit right in as a soundtrack so today let me because i've done this wrong before i'm gonna look it up uh today they gave us uh off of their i gotta switch back and forth hold on where are we at oh i'm dropping the ball oh here it is after finding it Oh, my, did I scare you? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> After finding it again, I had three different pages pulled up for them. I'm sorry. Um, from the album, in the in the wake of the Great Collapse, they have allowed us to use Raise the Labyrinth. Without further ado, because I know you're giddy about starting it. No? Huh? Oh. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was like, I was waiting for you to say, without further ado, here they are. <laughs> I was I'm talking like... to her and she had no idea. I know <laughs> that she is giddy about starting it and all of you are getting about uh, giddy about starting it. Again, there you have Laurentian Tides with Raise the Labyrinth. Here it is. Uh... 